0: Ready to rise through the ranks of the online marketing hierarchy? Take some notes from the original royals of revenue, the internet traffic kings. We're about to open up a treasure chest of knowledge from the best of the best. With your hosts, Kevin the Father D. Vincenzi, the original Big Fabu, John Fondy, and the ultimate compliance conciliary, Attorney
1: Bennett Kelly. In three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and once again, welcome back to Internet Traffic Kings. I'm the big fabu, John Fondy, broadcasting you to you uh, from the campus of UNLV here in Las Vegas, and yep, Las Vegas is coming back slowly and we'll talk about that a little bit more about the entire country and how it's reacting to everything that's basically going on out there but the one thing that you can react to is we're going to give you some great information here on these shows and we want to remind you that this show is not sponsor related so it's kind of a gift uh, from our executive producer Kevin DiVincenzi and you can go to internettraffickings.com or you can give us a five star rating kind of saying thank you on Apple Podcasts as well as going to our YouTube channel we've got facebook going on and spotify and so it's really taken on a lot of steam now and um we've got a new kind of a a new segment that we're going to kind of continue on here but before we do that we could not do this segment if it were not without the click father our executive producer kevin DiVincenzi vincenzi hey kevin how are you
0: i'm doing well john how you doing
1: well doing well thank you i mean it seems like uh, every week we've got something new to talk about um and uh and a lot of things that really are, are kind of good out there, but we also have to meld that with some challenging things. And that's part of the adaptability sure. that we have to do. And, and we're going to help people adapt. We're going to help people reinvent themselves um, and kind of, kind of prepare just in case something like this that should ever happen again. And uh, what are you hearing in your neck of the woods with, uh, with the, the, uh, uh, the, the internet uh, guys out there?
0: Um it's it's all about adaptability. I mean, you know the, the good thing about though is we've gotten a vast array of different guests, you know everything from Amazon, fBA to social media influencers to Google guys to Facebook guys. So I think there there's a lot of opportunity out there. It's just being able to figure out what you what drives you and where you want to focus. Um, a lot of internet guys are doing phenomenal right now, you know, and and legally and ethically, and they're they're just they're taking advantage of all the extra traffic out there. You know? you
1: know, you brought up an interesting statistic in our last show talking about uh, second quarter and fourth quarter and all that. Yeah, can you explain yeah. that again to us? Yeah, well?
0: abso- absolutely. I was actually looking for my show note on there, so I had it exact. Um, and I don't know where it
1: went. I but can a se- I've got it here as well. Yeah, go for it. You, uh, so the second quarter was historically not a particularly strong quarter for e-commerce during the crisis, before the crisis. But this year we saw online shopping just jumped and went crazy. Now compare that to fourth quarter, which typically is the best. Right,
0: exactly. So, so pretty much the, the same shopping trends that were happening in Q4 of 2019 were happening in Q2 of 2020 because everybody was home, so they were shopping. And that's where you see the shift now. You know, obviously obviously that's why Amazon's doing so well. Um, Shopify has now partnered with Walmart. They just made an announcement to onboard a lot of their Shopify stores uh, onto the Walmart platform, which is really interesting. So the way that works, John, is let's say you have a small store on Shopify and Shopify is pretty much an e-commerce engine. So you would build your store on Shopify, Mm -hmm. okay? So say you were selling you know, UNLV t-shirts and what have you, you would power it on Shopify, that would give you the whole infrastructure and everything else. Now partnering with Walmart, you have the potential to get your products and or services into Walmart's platform as well. So when you go to walmart.com, there will be some integration with Shopify with some of those products. So essentially you could get that product <clears throat> directly on Walmart's website through Shopify. So that's really interesting
1: and you don't necessarily have to have the inventory that Walmart makes you have if you go direct to them.
0: Right, of course not because you you could even do a drop shipping deal for for that yeah. matter. I mean, I haven't looked into all the terms and conditions, but I would imagine you could drop ship directly. You don't have to, you know, with Amazon's FBA, you have to have the product on hand with Amazon. So it's got to be in their warehouse. You pay to ship it, you pay to store it, and then so Amazon's bots can go pick your product and ship it under their brand. Um <clears throat> with this partnership with uh, Walmart. I don't believe that's the case because they're using Shopify. So Shopify has got its own engines in there and its own fulfillment with Ober- Oberlo and some others. So mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be a seamless way for you to just expand your product out.
1: Well, in our last episode, we uh, threw some some uh, some fastballs at you and Shopify. Yeah, sure. was one of the questions that we had out there. So, hey, would you mind taking a few more questions? Go for it. Okay, this is great. And by the way, you know, all this stuff, Kevin doesn't know what I'm going to ask him, but he's been in the business for 24 years. And so he's probably heard, heard it all. So we're going to pick his brain here a little bit uh, in this segment sure. that we call uh, the uh, Internet Game Show here as well. So um, I'll be the Alex Trebek here. and We'll fire this at there you. This first question comes from Texas. Okay. okay. It's a big city and we've got a big question here. And we're actually going to talk about this a little bit more in the show. But Chris says he wants to hire influencers. What's the best way to attract those and how do you compensate them?
0: Uh, You know, the biggest thing is find an influencer that resonates with your brand. So if if you're selling, you know, hats, find someone that's already wearing hats, talking about hats in fashion, uh, et cetera. You know, we're working very closely with influencers and us as an agency, the good, the good brands that we're working with are sending us a VIP box. Like I just got one uh, on Wednesday from My Green Fills, which is uh, laundry, the, um, eco-friendly laundry detergent, hand sanitizer, things like that. But they sent me a whole box uh, with all the different products, including you know a little hand angel made by a deaf person and all these different little things so I could really resonate with their product, which is great. Um, so that, that would be my advice. Find the influencers that you like, whether it's you're going on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, wherever it may be, connect with them directly and then get them your product and see if they like your product. If they like your product, then ask them to promote it because so, people uh, will...
1: Go ahead. So in other words, you would not, if you're selling dirt bikes, you wouldn't necessarily go to Kim Kardashian. And like,
0: right, exactly. And, and the challenge with a lot of these these networks and again, Matt Frey, who will be on later, might counter what I'm saying and say, oh, well, there's these great networks where you can go and you can find influencers. You can. My challenge is then it's just a name. Then it says John Fondy TV production, but I don't really get the chance to know John Fondy and see if what he's saying and what he's promoting resonates with my brand. So the way that we do it personally, we're constantly scouring YouTube and and the other other mediums and we're we're watching these channels and saying, you know what, that would be great for this brand. Mm -hmm. Then we get the product in their hand, then we help write them a script so that they're promoting the product properly. That's really the way to do it. It's not... People think influencer marketing is just somebody sending out a tweet or somebody sending out a promotion. That's not going to work the same way. Will it get sales? Sure, but is it going to get sales in a long term? No. So, I, personally, I want want something where the audience is loyal, so they already have the brand loyalty to that influencer, and then we incorporate the product. A lot of times, even branding the influencer into the product, like one of our uh, attorney influencers that uh, he's got about one hundred and forty thousand uh, followers on Facebook. When he goes live, he'll get about 1,000, 1,100 people watching him live at that moment, and then he'll cycle through in 24 hours somewhere around nineteen to 20,000 views. So basically, the products that we have with him, um, it's, one of them is a background search. So essentially what he's doing with the background search, he's doing a live background search on his screen while he's talking to his viewers. Mm-hmm. It totally resonates with the viewers because it's a crime talk channel, so they're talking about you know, crimes and what, ha- what, what, what have you. So the, the viewers get involved in it. They go to the landing page, crimetalksearch.com. It's got his picture on it. It's got, you know, his image. So he's, he's got those loyal followers coming to it. And I can tell you, John, I mean, this is the, the advice I probably shouldn't be sharing because I shouldn't be giving out, but I will. Um, we're seeing uh, those conversions nine to 10 times what we normally see. Nine to 10 times, literally. Right. Um, on those offers because the people trust him, the people trust the brand and he's explaining the brand and it, it goes perfectly with his audience.
1: Well, third party validation is some of the best <clears throat> validation that you can get. And certainly those influencers have already got those people there. Sure. Uh, one other question on that. Chris yeah. also wanted to know how do you compensate these influencers?
0: It, <clears throat> that's, that's a twofold question because it really depends on your business model. Mm-hmm. So if, if uh, depending your profit margin into a deal, depending on if you're willing to go negative on your first order. Let's just say you had uh, a subscription box. So a subscription box, meaning you're getting the product month over month. So we'll say, you know, uh, Blue Apron, right? The the, the food company. So Blue Apron, you know, they budget, we'll call it $150 to acquire a customer, the customer acquisition cost. Obviously their first order is going to be less than $150. So they're going to lose money on their first order while paying the marketing fee. But they know the lifetime value, they, let's say they keep a customer for seven months, the LTV, the lifetime value is $450. So they know that they can invest $150 to eventually get $450 out of the, the consumer, out of the funnel for a lifetime. So when you're compensating, it really depends on what your goal is. If your goal is, you know, if you have a clothing store and your goal is to get a sale, don't just worry about that sale of flip-flops, that you're going to make $8 on it's your return customer that what are they going to spend in the lifetime? And once you have those real numbers is where you can really come up with a real budgetary number.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, it does. A good, good explanation. We're going to take one more question here. And this one comes all the way up to uh, Alberta, Canada. So we're getting all over the globe on these questions as well. This comes from Tammy. And so uh, what her question basically is, is the education lead generation space, a good place to focus on to be an affiliate.
0: So we, we've personally been in the education space for over 15 years. Um, a, couple, a couple ways to look at that. If you're, you're, well, first of all, with COVID, it's totally different because you would need to focus just on online campuses. Most of the sure. offline campuses are, are closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing is I would, as we do, I would niche it out. So we do education, but we do nursing careers, criminal justice careers, graphic designers, and we niche it out. Um, My other other advice would be to make sure you have something where you can do the creative and then you can post those leads in. Because anything that's ready made out there, it's out of your control. So if I go to, I mean, University of Phoenix is now defunct, but let's just say University of Phoenix and I advertise their landing page. I don't know what filters are behind that.
1: Mm -hmm. So I
0: can never really get a true metric. Because I don't know how they're scrubbing or what they're doing, but if I can control that flow and then post that lead into a school, a university, an affiliate network, whatever, at least then I can I can know where my, my conversion rate should be, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, well it does. Uh, in fact, okay. you know I think that's why we take some of these questions here and uh, you know you're a good sport. Thank you. Thank you for no letting no us kind of throw stuff anytime. at you and stuff like that. So um, let's let's maybe see if we could look into. Uh, the Clickfather uh, crystal ball a little bit. And uh, do you have any, any thoughts as we're, as we're changing on a daily basis here? Any thoughts on uh, uh, some of the, the direction that we're going to go in in terms of uh, internet marketing and building traffic and, uh, and growing your business? And it might be a brand new business.
0: Well You know, they say it takes 30 days to make a habit, right? Um, I think with this lockdown, the increase in traffic that we saw is going to be maintained for a long time because I think people are more dependent on the devices now. They're more dependent in the internet way of things mm-hmm. in regards to ordering things, getting their entertainment. So I think that, that the, the higher traffic amounts are here to stay for quite some time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's really just providing services and things that have longevity. You know, if, if you are providing a service, don't look for that one hit wonder of, you know, how can I just make that sale? Pretty much uh, what I was discussing previously, look for a longer tail. Like, how can I how can I uh, get a customer that I'm going to keep for a long time? Have the loyalty, meet and exceed their expectations and have that, uh, that customer because then you're building something. I think that's, that's the key is actually building, you know, to building a business is having customers that come in time after time after time. You know, they... Uh, uh, a grocery store runs, they say, on a 2 or 3% margin, right? But they, they do so on volume and based on the return customers. If, if a grocery store was just, you know, saying every customer that walks in the door, you know, we make 2% on, they'd lose their their, their behind. Um, but because they, they have that longevity coming in and the volume and all these different factors, that that's how they're able to make it work. So my, my advice would be, don't go for the home run, go for the, play the long game. You know, and a lot of the, the influencers out there or the, the traffic guys are doing that right now. You know, Ryan Dice and, you know, quite a few of these guys, even Tony Robbins, they're providing a lot of value right now. They're not selling anything. They're just providing courses and different, you know, different type uh, events just to teach people and to give. And the idea is, you know, eventually they're going to earn that customer, but they're going to earn it right now by providing value. So it's just think of things of not just selling this widget right now online, but doing something a little bit uh, longer term.
1: Um, you know, there's some crazy stuff that's going on in the sports world out there now. and yeah. uh, It seems like it changes on a, on a daily basis. And, and um, it, the way it's going right now, I mean, it's kind of almost starts to seem like everybody's going to suffer through this as a fan, as sure. a player, as a business owner. And, and everybody's trying to, to, to work these deals. And it doesn't seem like anybody's actually working together on it. And I don't right. know how it's going to come out.
0: Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. I mean, I uh, I was very close to pulling the trigger on uh, on Raiders VVIP tickets, you know, about a year ago, John. Yeah, uh, they only have five hundred seats, and they've got private dining and blah 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 blah. Anyway, it was a it was a very large commitment, you know, house money essentially, um, meaning money that you could easily buy a house with <laughs> for these for these for these two site licenses or two seat licenses. My apologies. Um, and then I did, I did the math and it didn't make sense. And now I'm really thanking myself that I didn't do it because you just, you don't know what's going to happen in the stadium world. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to do every other seat? Um, you know, what's going to happen? Like I said, the fall is going to be really interesting to see with the increased testing, if the infection rates are going to skyrocket, what do you do with these? And, you know, and, and fanless sports is not really great. Right. I mean, part, part of you know, the excitement, especially when you get to playoffs and championship games, a big part of the excitement is hearing the fans roar, you know, or boo or whatever to, to just have that that interaction um, or even a live event. I mean, if you think about, you know, you've been to basketball games before, John, if you if you if you go to a basketball game and it's half capacity, it's not the same than right. a full house. Right. Like even, you know, I went to many UNLV games. Great, great crowd. But now imagine you remove half of that crowd. It's, you know, it's half a voice in a sense. You know what I mean? It's not huh. the, the same. The home field advantage is not the same in that that scenario. And, you know,
1: we'll see. Well, uh, speaking of uh, of those, uh, those Raider tickets and uh, the stadium last yeah. week, uh, they basically did uh, the Royal Flush. And basically what that is is they basically – Take and they they flush all the toilets all at the same time, and that's oh, really? how they determine whether or not the uh, the system is done. And that's that's a big indicator saying that that's the stadium is, is about ready to uh, to open back up again. And uh, and so uh-huh. we we haven't got the rules yet, and what's, right. what's going to take place. And uh, I think everybody's cautious. Uh, there's a new hotel here in town that just uh, had a topping off party. Uh, that that's that's taking place this week so and then uh, there was MGM put together their big new convention and event center as well and all this stuff started before all this basically took place Mm -hmm. I got to think there's some nervous people out there
0: yeah I would think so I think um, you know commercial real estate bad shape right now. Um, just from having to attempt to collect rents from a lot of people that haven't been able to be open for two to three months. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, the casino industry, they're saying might take, you know, two years to recover. Um, and it's tough. I mean, you know, when, when you think about the day, again, talking about Vegas, you know, the day clubs, and nightclubs not being open, all the events not being open. I mean, you know, it's, there's a lot less value there for, for a consumer, you know, it's not the same fun, like, you know, especially for, for the younger generation, you know, I mean, yeah, I did just turn 30. Um, But for the, for the younger generation to, you know, to go to Vegas, a lot of it was that not the gambling, but all the ancillary products that that came with that. And, you know, and they all spent, they spent great money. And it's a, it's a big part of the industry. Um, The Cosmopolitan, their hotel makes more money than their casino. So their hotel, their day clubs, their nightclubs—again, this is pre-COVID.
1: Yeah. But
0: that hotel operation makes more money than ca- the casino. So anybody that thinks that—that's a perfect example to tell you—if anybody thinks it's only the casinos, it's not. If you do it right, the whole experience is what makes the money. You know, yeah. the restaurants, the clubs, the uh, the rooms. I mean, you know, Co- Cosmo gets uh, Cosmo and Wynn, You know, get the highest rates for their rooms. Uh, historically, uh, than anybody else. And they get them, right? It's it's always a packed house in those places, or was.
2: Not making as much money as you want on the net? The
0: Internet Traffic Kings are by far your best bet. 24 years at the top of the game.
2: Spotify and iTunes, look for them by names.
1: New episodes every Thursday. The Internet Traffic Kings. And we're gonna let the dogs out, the dogs out of the green room, that is. And of course, we're talking about the big dog, Bennett Kelly. let the dogs out?
2: (laughs) Thank you for the intro. Good to be here.
1: Good to have you here. By the way, if you uh, wanna get in touch with Bennett Kelly, you can get in touch with him at the InternetLawCenter.net. And uh, uh, every week we've been talking about, Bennett, that big things things are happening every week. And we're kind of uh, bobbing and weaving on this. And you've got some interesting stuff to talk about the things that happened as, as well to you and, and your group.
2: Yes. And Well, in California, we're going to be ground zero on July 1 as the much-talked-about California Consumer Privacy Act goes into effect. So that um, did almost, not me, it not going to It went into effect on January 1, but on July 1, um, the Attorney General can begin enforcement of it, even though the, uh, the regulations were just, um, final regulations were just published last week. So there is no um, extensions. That's clear. There's no extension. The ad industry has asked for an extension, but here's the the, the quirky part about the law. So Kevin, you know, you screwed up Um, Mr. Attorney General. um, I send you, that's right. I I send it to your competitor and, um, and say, Mr. Competitor, you violated the law. They have 30 days to comply. So um, at there's that element of it, so even if you get cited, they still have thirty days to comply um, but if you are um, not sure whether or not you're covered by the law, there's the three main requirements do you have gross revenue in excess of twenty five million um, if you do congratulations um, but also you i have, have i have
0: a I have a question though sure. right there is that gross uh revenue of twenty five million just in the state of California or is that your
2: whole business i i at this point, I would say this: your whole business. Although there are some people who say it should only be the state of California, the AG's office has not clarified that. So. So, so that means any any of the sites that don't have, because I've seen it quite a bit,
0: the the CCPA uh, disclaimers coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're under twenty five million, they do not need to have that. Is that?
2: Well, there's three parts. That's part. One. Oh, okay. I'm
0: sorry. Um, and You know, marketers get right to, hey, I don't have to do it. <laughs> Great. All right, let's go. Thanks All right. So, so much. the
2: second thing is, do you purchase, receive, sell, or share the personal information of 50,000 or more consumer households or devices? And then the third is, do you derive 50% or more of your annual revenue from selling consumer personal information? And so okay. those are the three thresholds. Um, Can we go back to number two? What was number two?
0: Let's go back to, sorry, because this is a great education for me as well. So number
2: two, could you repeat it again? Do you mind? Purchases, (laughs) receives, sells, or shares the personal information of 50,000 or more consumer households or devices. So that would mean if somebody is
0: in lead generation And this is annual, correct? So if they're doing over 50,000, if they're collecting more than 50,000 leads annually, they would need to do this. Yes. Is that correct? So that's, call it 4,000 leads a month.
2: Correct. Okay. And And, um, so that's the threshold. And so that, starting July 1, can be enforced. Now, here's the other thing. Um, It's like Jason being back on Friday the 13th. Yeah. All this came about when uh, a real estate developer with way too much money, Alistair McTaggart, qualified a ballot initiative a couple of years back to um, create the California Consumer Privacy Act. And ultimately, just as it was the deadline for withdrawing the the ballot initiative was coming up, um, over a period of seven days, they passed what is now the California Consumer Privacy Act and he withdrew the ballot initiative. Well, you need for, to get on the ballot for this election, you need about 600 and plus thousand um, signatures. And McTaggart and his group have just submitted over 900,000 signatures to qualify a new privacy initiative for the fall ballot. And so it hasn't been, they have to go through the signatures. It hasn't been certified yet, but it very likely will. So we could have another round Wow. of of um, privacy compliance after the November elections, depending on if it gets certified as being on the ballot and passes, you know, mm-hmm. privacy. Who votes no to privacy? Right, of course. The last time it was heavily favored to win, and this time I think it'd be heavily favored to win. So um this is gonna get just keep getting more complex. And sure. uh so stay tuned. This
0: is pretty hey, complex um, complex already. Um they, go ahead,
1: John. Well, I was going to say, Bennett. Uh, now, is if you've done something wrong, is that retroactive from July all the way back to January? So, could you get in trouble for something that you that you did in January or February now that this is going
2: to affect? Yeah, I'll give you a classic lawyer answer: Yes and no. So the. the um, <laughs> they, yes the, yes you you can get a notice from the attorney general that says you know you have 30 days to fix for based on anything you did after january 1 but okay I, that just means you have 30 days to fix and hopefully by by july 1 or hopefully within 30 days of that notice you can fix it okay
1: um excellent well the uh I, I think everything's a little top, topsy-turvy and it's almost like this is one more thing that we're kind of adding into the mix here. It almost seems like, um, I, I guess for some reason, they're just making it as hard as, as hard as they possibly can to do business, not necessarily do business the right way.
2: Well, I mean, I've, in, in, in their defense in California, you know, we've been talking about privacy at the national level since the late 90s, since the internet age. And nothing's ever gotten done. So California has taken the lead and has actually implemented something. And you know, did they get it all right? No. Um, but at least the, one state has started to you know, blaze that trail and that's good for consumers that we need to make sure we're doing it the right way. So I wouldn't be necessarily fault California for trying. I would definitely fault them for where they didn't necessarily get it right. Um, but at the same time, there is, for California and the other adjustment is the, the law AB5, which you know, redefines who's an employee versus an independent contractor. And that went into effect this year, and you're starting to see enforcement actions on those against the big battle brewing with Lyft and um, Uber and um, DoorDash, and in fact, that's another ballot initiative. They're trying to overturn that law and they, I believe they've qualified a ballot initiative in November that would exempt um, gig economy workers from the new law. Oh, How,
1: interesting. Have you been seeing a lot of fraud uh, going out with all of these, uh, these uh, checks that are going out and this stimulus stuff and, uh, and uh, those type of things as well?
2: um i i 've seen reports of it yeah, i haven 't really personally come across it myself. I know the FTC you know, we, last show we talked about the FTC is cracking down on that somewhat, and uh, you know anytime you have a lot of money at stake there 's going to be fraud attendant with it and uh, so we i I know that there's scams going on out there trying to i think the one we talked about last week was uh, diverting people to to come get your check. And it was a used car sale. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and there's also a lot of frauds about COVID remedies and, you know, fake masks and stuff like that.
1: Mm. Hey, uh, Kevin, uh, going back to like the whole restaurant deal and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right. I, I'm thinking maybe that we're going to see even more lawsuits that are going to come through for just different things that, that are just going to pound the restaurant industry. And you know, a little mm-hmm. bit about that. As well, so. Uh, um, yeah,
0: I, I I think so. I mean, you, you're starting to see. I'm sure, Bennett, you're seeing, uh, you know, lawsuits against the insurance companies. You know, quite a few people are now suing them for not complying. But uh, I'm sure there'll be consumer-initiated uh, lawsuits as well. Uh, but on that first price point, gouging you know, and all the things.
2: Yeah, you know, I started my career at a big firm, in Washington. And at one point, I was representing um, companies who had done environmental cleanups that had been ordered by the government in the 70s and 80s and were trying to recover insurance policies from way back um, that didn't right. have any exclusions for pollution. And it, we were battling the likes of Lloyds and London and some others. And a study was done that the insurance companies figured out it was cheaper not to pay, spend years litigating, and mm-hmm. the, you know, these aren't cheap, cheap law firms. Right. And then settle for 30 cents on the dollar or whatever it was that they settled rather than pay up front. And sure. so all these, you know, this I'm sure found ins- people in Hartford and other insurance centers had to be going crazy when they saw this you know, this COVID thing happen because right. of all their, their huge exposure on business interruption. Sure. And um, and what they should be doing is also being smart, is selling a new product.
0: Yes, that covers this. You know,
2: because as we talked about earlier, business interruption sometimes requires some physical act, something that disrupts your business, of a fire, right. you know, um, damage to your software or equipment, and which this didn't. Although some business interruption insurance is based on a government order, and if you have that, then you're covered. Um, so I would, there's definitely going to be a lot of litigation there.
0: But, but you're right. It, it should have been from a marketing, from a marketer standpoint, it would have been a great time to say, Hey, we're launching this new product. And you know, if this ever happens again, you're covered and we're going to give yeah. you six months free and excuse me. And here's what it covers and, and break it down. I think that would be really smart. I mean, a lot of the That's insurance from the good will. Yeah, a lot of the auto insurance carriers proactively did that, right? Back in March. someone
2: April. told me, and again, I don't know auto insurance. Someone said yeah. they, it was great. You see those wonderful State Farm ads, but I think they're required to give the money back if they yeah. if the usage isn't there. So it's, it's uh, possible, AV, but yeah. but they had
0: a really good spin, though, right? They came out. They did. Out and they, they, did. Said, they said, "Hey, you know, you're not driving right now anyway, so we're giving you back whatever it is." You exactly, know, like the airbags. Policy.
2: You know, when they remember, I don't remember when they added airbags to cars. Oh, I'm, um, I'm not yeah, as old they, as you, Bennett. They, <laughs> it was the Model T, and it's right <laughs> after the, T, yes. I just, I just got back from World War One, and um, you, you
0: crank the motor and you blow into the airbag. I, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I've,
2: I've seen and, videos um, of that. Any event, the it, there were ads about you know, different car companies each trying to outdo each other about how right. you know we're better on airbags. And the irony is, is that the industry fought it for 15 years, and only after they lost in the Supreme Court were the airbag requirements implemented. And so, but it was interesting once it finally was. Oh, we're the most pro-airbag company you've ever right. seen. So I, I think I'm, I'm not sure about that on the auto industry, but I think there is some requirement that you refund the money if there, if the mileage or something doesn't match. Sure. So Bennett, wild stuff going on right
1: now. We've got a big rally that's coming up, uh, or that has taken place, and stuff. That uh, I'm just wondering, what have you, what, what have you heard about what's going on with that? And, and uh, well,
2: from you know, I was I was trying to stay away from the politics of it. From a legal perspective, you know, if if you signed up for this rally and imagine future rallies, this is the huge disclaimer um, that you you. Um, Wave, you acknowledge that there's risk associated with COVID, and you um, exempt them from any liability for any claims that you or your guests may have from um, if you vent that you get COVID from this rally, and yeah. um, and I'm sure other businesses are going to try something similar. You they you they new- did, Ben, at uh, Disneyland on their reopen or on their
0: prospective reopening had a whole disclaimer where you're 100% liable. They they're held
2: harmless. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of funny, the happy the happiest place on earth, you know, you can, yeah. you can kill you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, any event, the, the, the one issue it comes up in, it varies by state law, but one thing you can't, um, a lot of times they won't enforce those type of waivers if um, for certain things, if it violates public policy and that's uncertain you know that's yeah. going to be up to the courts but the second thing where you, they can get you is if you're grossly negligent so i suspect the happiest place on earth is going to implement some certain you know social distancing and other requirements consistent with the cdc guidelines mm-hmm. what i'm what I've, what I've heard about this rally is that um it, it's unclear whether the, one they're not mandating people wear a mask and it's 18,000 people you know, wow. squeezed, close to get, squeezed together in a very short uh, small area, which right. isn't consistent with the CDC guidelines. So it could be that that's not enforceable. Also, there's a question of if I go to the rally, I sign the waiver, but um, I give it to someone else. Can that other person now sue... Um, the rally organizers um, because right. they didn't sign the waiver and it is foreseeable that that person could, you know, these are called what super breeding, super spreading events type of thing. And uh, so it's going to create a lot of legal issues. I and mean, Unfortunately, any disaster does, but, um, but the disclaimer issue is something to think about um, you know, for any business. And I know in Capitol Hill, there's talk about giving businesses some protection Liability, because yeah, what? Why? Why would I reopen if something, I'm going to get this many clients and then this many lawsuits? Something yeah. happened here uh, last
1: week. There was a big—I don't know—it was an MMA uh, event or a boxing event that uh, basically just before, two days before the fight was about to take place, uh, the manager or the trainer uh, uh, came came down and was diagnosed with with. With COVID, wow! Which means they had to, so they had to cancel the fight. So now, not only is the is the the kid who's being trained by that guy, but the opponent now loses all of that money because of that. Does that fall into play?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, I wonder if that is covered by they must have insurance, right? In that circumstance,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, and so I'm sure. You, know, if I'm the other fighter who was who was healthy, I'm sure I'm I, the contract with the other side. Each person represents that they're you know ready, willing, able that they you know they're healthy that they've taken steps to you know I'm assuming – I would guess that the contract may have clauses like that. Mm-hmm. that that's going to be an issue if you for example, now if you're organizing a conference, you know, do, when you have your speakers. Assuming it's going to be a live conference, you need to right. have them make representations as to um, their ability of you know, their health and what measures they're taking. It, it's you got to think about a lot of things now in terms of those type of events. I guess. Yeah, I guess. speak. I was going to say, bet. speak.
0: <laughs> <laughs> speaking of that, should I go first, John? Yes, you can. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, speaking of that, I mean how long do you think these conferences are going to hold money for? Like, what do you think, you know, my, uh, my daughter's doing the, uh, date with destiny, Tony Robbins. It was rescheduled from March in San Jose because they said they, they can't, uh, do an event in San Jose. She was moved to, uh, Dallas in July. So they are going to do it, but they're doing it at half capacity. Yeah. Um, but what's going to happen with these other venues? What, what happens to the season ticket holders? I know MLB was already sued. The, the NBA ticket holders, any future events, and then even for our industry, Bennett, what happens to the Leeds Cons, the traffic and conversion? I know they all put new dates on the board, and I think it's very irresponsible to put these new dates on the board because they don't know what's going to happen. I mean, what I think Leeds con is in September, which I think is highly unlikely in Vegas. Um, at what point do they owe the industry the money back? Like, I mean, at what point I think do they
2: say... That- I, you know, if it doesn't happen in September, I would expect to see a lot of lawsuits saying we want our money back. Yeah. and so, um, right The problem now, is, is, I suspect a lot of them have arbitration clauses, which are confidential. So you may not even hear about it. And, yeah, but uh, I, th- I think a lot of it also is just your reputation, right? A
0: lot of, a lot of hmm. the, not just our industry, ben, It just it, the, uh, the, the trade show is based on reputation. Like you, you, you go to a trade show, whether it's a TED Talk or whether it, it's the one of your legal conferences, it's based on reputation. And if you feel that you were wrong, you're never going to go to that trade show again, I would think. So I think they, they have a very fine line to tread here on doing the right thing, or at least coming clean. Like, you know, I, I understand, you know, running a trade show, John, and I know you're trying to shut me up to go quickly. Um, running a trade show, there are costs and everything associated, but then come clean and say, hey, you know what, guys, nobody expected this but here's what we're willing to do. You know, we don't have the budget, awesome. everybody their money back, but, but to sit there, you know, and again, I won't name them, but one of these major conferences that I just did name um, is quoting everybody to their terms and conditions already saying, Hey, look at these terms and conditions and you know, and, and we're going to, we're going to redo it in September or December or whatever, which I think is just a terrible way to, to do things because these people believed in them and believed in their conference and gave their hard earned money. And a lot of them need that money right now, you
2: know. But but here's the issue for the organizer. Okay, you paid X, and I'm now going to go ahead and um, do the conference. But now under a COVID-type atmosphere, I now need as much as 50% more space in order right. to be COVID oh, compliant. Sure. I gotta, I gotta. You know, so if I have a conference room that would seat, you know, I was going to have 30 people. I now need a conference room that can seat 60 sure, people, which sure, means that, my, my, my costs have gone up. So am I better I, off canceling and giving the money back rather than trying to go through and not make uh, any money?
0: Yeah, I don't know if the costs will go up better because I think everybody is right now pivoting and shifting. So I think that they'll probably grant them the extra space given, given the environment that we're in. So I, in the future, you're, you're probably right. You do have to, to plan for that. But at the current time... Um, yeah i don't know just personally i see an issue with with quoting terms and conditions at an unprecedented time like this and yeah. not just being honest
2: in addition we talked a little bit about the, the new laws on employees versus con- independent contractors and that's something you should give some thought to because there have been enforcement actions on that and that's something to be considered about and then um you're just be vigilant in the workplace and try to figure out, make sure sh- you monitor your employees. If you're still working um, remotely, make sure that that's working out. Make sure you're not losing trade secrets in the process. You know, we've been at it now for three months. Try to do an assessment and see where you are and see if you, if you're working in a way okay. that protects both your employees and your, your secrets. That's it. Excellent. Uh, Kevin, again, uh, as we're closing
1: out the show now, uh, uh, something that uh, that we should know and something that we really need to know.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, I haven't mentioned this before, but the CARES Act uh, understand that as a business, right? There are a lot of resources out there. Uh, understand what the CARES Act is and what resources are available to you mm-hmm. um, for small businesses. There's SBA loans that are fast tracked right now, which help people out. you know, everybody hears about the PPP, but that's only one segment of what's available right now, so definitely, take take a look at the different resources on our uh, page and the show resources. I'll put up some links as well, but that's really just understand in this new environment what, you know, what you can do.
1: Well, great. Well, thank you so much. Again, uh, another great show, great guests here. I want to thank uh, of course the big dog Bennett Kelly for being with us today and also uh, the click father. Our executive producer, thanks for sharing your audience with me as well and uh, uh, broadcasting from the campus of UNLV here in Las Vegas. I'm the big fabu, John Fondy, thanking you for your time. And uh, don't forget that uh, you can check us out on our website, uh, traffickings.com, and uh, also... Don't forget our, our podcast. Give us those five stars and say thanks. So on behalf of all of us, to all of you out there, it's been a great show. And we'll see you on the next Internet Traffic Kings.
0: The opinions expressed on this program